Well, good morning again, brothers and sisters, and thank you for welcoming me into your home today to preach to you the Word of God. I also just want to say before we get into the Word, thank you so much for each and every one who sent me feedback about the videos and the teachings on the videos. It is really important for me that you get the Word of God coming to you. It is important for me that we continue studying in the Word of God. I've said it over the last few weeks that it is important for us to keep on studying, keep on looking upon Jesus, keep on opening up His Word and hold on to Him. So it's really pleasing to see that uh, you are following the messages through the video uh, podcasts and the video videos that I'm posting. And I want to implore you, the email address is on, on the videos. You can see it. Uh, feel welcome to send us back some feedback around the videos. I'm also very excited uh, if I look around us what's happening in the world, that it won't be long before we can all gather again in our place of worship. God is so good to us. I want to continue today and I want to talk to you today about a topic as we study through the book of Mark, as we follow Jesus. I want to talk to you about the seed of defilement. Think about that topic, the seed of defilement. And in our narrative today, in our uh, discussion that we're going to continue looking in the book of Mark chapter 7, we're going to find this word. And Jesus uses a specific Greek word here in the Greek lexicon. He uses the word kaino. Now the word kaino uh, is a Levitical uncleanness that he's going to address. And you say, what has it got to do with us? Well, everything. Because you find today so many people asking the question, and I've been asked that question, is it okay for Christians to eat pork? Is it okay for Christians to eat ostrich? Is it okay for Christians to eat fish with no scales on it? And you might say, well, I don't eat those kind of fish. But let me just say in some places that sharks, small lemon sharks are used in fish and chip shops. And you might be eating it unknowingly. But the question is, when we eat this, does it defile us? And certainly there is church groups or there are church groups out there who is promoting a biblical diet. And they are talking about these kind of things, the Levitical uh, laws that was instituted back in the days of Moses. In the book of Leviticus chapter 11, you can read all about that. So how do we answer these people? How do we come to the point to scripturally look into that and see what the right answer is. And we can look no further than Jesus Christ. He is the one who is our guideline, who's going to show us. And today he's talking about that. And that's why I gave this message the, the topic of the seed of defilement. Where is the seed of defilement? What is the seed of defilement? And I believe and pray that you will find this very interesting. So we're going to continue in Mark chapter 7. Last week we saw how Jesus was addressing this 
ritual, the spiritual ritual that the Pharisees and the scribes had about washing their hands, not for hygienic reasons, but more for spiritual reasons. And now Jesus answered them perfectly. I love it when Jesus answers them. And I learn so much from the answers of Jesus because he knows everything. And today we're going to continue on now. In Mark chapter 7 verse 14, the word of the Lord says, written by Mark, When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me everyone and understand. So he's now not talking to the Pharisees anymore. He's not talking to the scribes anymore. He turns to the multitude now. And he calls them all together. And he, he uses a phrase here which is going to be so shocking. The next few verses. So shocking to his hearers. And most of the people in the crowd would have been Jews. Who's looking unto Jesus and who who look at the Pharisees and they see this interaction between Jesus and these Pharisees. But he's going to now come to a statement which will be by far the most controversial statement he's made to these people. Remember, he addressed the Sabbath already. When the, when the, the scribes and the Pharisees came to him earlier in the book of Mark, he addressed the Sabbath. He said to them that he is the substance he is the Sabbath. So we don't have to today honor a specific day. Uh, for instance, we don't have to now go on Saturdays, which is the Sabbath, and worship Him. He's already addressed that. And we've preached about that. So wonderful to understand that Jesus Christ is our rest. He's our Sabbath. It's not a specific day. He's addressed a lot of things. And then He addressed with them the washing of the hands. But now he comes to the most shocking statement that he's going to make to this point. And, and to give you a little bit of background around this and, and for you to understand what these men must have gone through when they heard Jesus is going to say what he's saying is that they would not eat pork. Pork or pig to them is an unclean animal. And we find in the history when the Syrian king by the name of Antusius Sepiphanes, when he came and he conquered Israel and he took them away, he, did, he was a very cruel king. You can go and read all about it. It's a fascinating uh, a history account of this king when he conquered Israel. But when he captured Israel, for him to defame these people or defile these people, he ordered that all the Jews eat pork. That was a decree that came from the king. Because he knew, and the nations around knew, that this people of God will not eat pork. Because God, back in Leviticus chapter 11, through Moses, told them what is not clean to eat. And something like eating pig or pork would have made them unclean. So he decreed, he told by law for, for the Jews to eat pork. And if they do not eat pork, they would be put to death. They would be killed. And the history books will tell you that hundreds, hundreds of Jews were killed. So 
keep that in the back of your mind. That this is what they had from the history. That some of their brothers and sisters, some of their Jews died as martyrs for what they believed in not to eat. What is written in the book of Leviticus as unclean. Not only that, it is written in the book of Leviticus and every single Jew who grew up will know that the rabbi would have told them not to eat these foods because it is part of their upbringing. So this is, let's call it part of their spiritual DNA. And uh, Jesus comes to them and he says to them now, hear me. I like the different translation word there. He says, hearken. Hearken means I want you to come now and listen. In fact, he uses two words here. He uses the word for hear. It means to use your hearing senses and to open them in the presence of an announcement. That's the first part when he says, hear me, hearken. And then he says to understand. Now, the difference between hear and understand is just the fact that uh, when you understand it, it is to bring what you've hear all together and to sort of dot the lines to make to make sense to you. So what is he going to say? What is so shocking? The most at this point in time in Jesus's life, the most shocking statement that he will make to these people. And he speaks to the crowd. Remember, now let's read in verse 15. He says, there is nothing that enters a man from the outside, which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those things are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. I find Jesus so many times say that. He who has got an ear to hear, let him hear. This is a very profound statement. This is, like I say, going in against Leviticus chapter 11 and he sort of nullifies that so let's just see what he said he said nothing that I eat that comes into my mouth can defile me now you and I know there is things that can defile and I just want to separate and qualify this for you things that you see with your eyes can defile you things that you hear which you should not hear can defile you and and look, I can start off now and go on a tangent here about music, the wrong kind of music, the wrong kind of things that you see. And all of those things can defile. But Jesus is not talking about that. He's talking specifically about what they eat. He specifically talks about now Leviticus chapter 11. And this is what he says to them. And this is so profound statement to them. And Jesus spoke here about that ceremonial cleanness in regards to food. And he, he would have anticipated what happened in Acts. Now, let me just bring you up to speed with that. Then. In, in the book of Acts, Peter is really hungry. And he, and he goes up onto the top of the roof of one of the houses. And the next account happens to him in Acts chapter 10, verse 9. He says the next day, as they went on their journey and near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were made ready, he fell into a trance. Now, 
the word trance here, the meaning behind trance is you're not asleep, you're not awake. It, it's like an out-of-body experience, which is not an out-of-body experience, but you can see things and you can hear with your senses. And a message came to Peter. Now, I know there's people out there today who say that we should not take this as a statement against eating or for the approval for eating unclean animals. But I'm just reading to you the Word of God, and I take it on face value. Peter is up on this roof. He falls into a trance and see what he sees now and what he hear. In verse 11, Acts chapter 10, verse 11, And saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and led down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals on the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air, and a voice came to him. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. It's an instruction. But Peter said, not so, Lord. So by what Peter says now, we understand that this voice that came to Peter is the voice of God. He qualifies it there himself. When he answers back, he, he must have understood that voice and recognized that voice because he says clearly here, he says, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. You see, he goes back to the Levitical chapter 11 uh, uh, laws around what you may and may not eat. He's a Jew. Everything that's in that uh, um, sheet that came down was unclean. So the voice says to him, kill and eat. Peter, and he calls him by name. He says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He says, oh, no, no, Lord. He says, no, I, I can't do this. I'm not going to eat this because I've never done this before. It's written in our books. This is my translation, by the way. Um, For I've eaten anything common or Verse 15, and a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Straightforward. Now, honestly, I don't want to bring in a theological mindset or read something or trying to pull a verse from somewhere else or let's take it on face value. God speaks to Peter. He says, these unclean animals, I've made, I've made them clean. It's it right there. He says, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. I can't understand it differently than what it's written there. In verse 16, he says, this was done three times. Now, the Bible says that on a witness of two or three, a case may stand. So God do this three times with Peter. This, this is important. It's significant. It is written in our Bible. And I, for one, take every word that's written in the Bible as fact. And here it's written three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, God addressed something within Peter, and we know where this was leading, because it was leading for Peter, who was a Jew, to go and preach the gospel to a Gentile. Because uh, before he even got down, there was a knock on the door, and there is these people sent by Cornelius to get Peter to come and pray and preach to them. So we know that's the application as well. But God used food. God used these unclean animals to speak to him. 
And now we find that Jesus is addressing the same thing. And not only Jesus, but Jesus passes it on to Paul, who writes about all of these eating mannerisms in the New Testament, right through Corinthians and the New Testament. But not only is Jesus correcting those in their lifetimes, but he's also doing it today. Now, I know a few people over the years that I've met, I've even met a man who, who said that when he gets breakfast and there's even a slice of bacon touching the bread, he will scrape off the pieces where the bacon has touched. Is that necessary? Is that necessary? Or is it again coming back to spiritual exercise? Now, one might say, you know, you, you might have people who say that Jesus is breaking the Jewish law. And how can we say that he's perfect if he was breaking the law? But it's not so. Let's listen to Jesus in his own words. When he says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17, he, he turned to the people and says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. So he didn't come to nullify, uh, to destroy, nullify, but to destroy Leviticus 11. But what did he do? He just fulfilled it in himself. In, uh, he continues in the verse, let me finish the verse, he says, Matthew 5, 17, and Do not think that I came to destroy the law, nor the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one yacht or one tittle by no means will pass from the law, till all is fulfilled. And when all is going to be fulfilled, it's the end of time. Now, Jesus didn't say he came to, to destroy the law or to take it away and to say, take the book of Leviticus and throw it in the fire. No, no. In our Bible, we still got the book of Leviticus and we still read out of that and we still grow uh, 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 in our faith when we read through and preach through the book of Leviticus. But what did Jesus do? He came to show the people that he's the substance and every single thing, even the laws about food, is a shadow. It's a shadow of him who was coming. So he didn't come to, to throw the law out or to destroy it. He came to fulfill the law. So what did he do? What did he do by saying these things? By taking on the Levitical uh, uh, food laws? Well, he broke down the wall of separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. And we saw that so evidently in that passage in Acts chapter 10, when he, Peter, was now about to go and preach to the Gentiles, who, by the way, was eating any food. There was no law for them not to eat this food. This law was only given to God's people, to his very own. It wasn't given to the Gentiles. The Gentiles didn't abide by that. The Gentiles of their day was eating everything. They ate pork. They, and we see it in the New Testament. They, they had pork, uh, pigs all over the place. They farmed pigs. So here Jesus comes and he breaks down that wall of separation. See how Paul puts it in the book of Ephesians. Chapter 2 verse 14. For he himself is our peace. Oh, I love that. Who is your peace today? Paul says here in Ephesians, He Himself is our peace. He is our shalom. He is our charity. 
But let me continue. He says, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. The middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that's, that's, that's the enemy against God. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. That says it right there. That he himself broke down that middle wall of separation, in, which is contained in ordinances. You have to wash your hands this way. You have to keep the Sabbath. You have to um, not eat. You, you're not allowed to eat all of these unclean things. In himself, he broke down that wall of separation so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Verse 16, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death enmity. So God reconciled, Jesus reconciled us with God. And why, how did he do it? By breaking down these ordinances. Now Jesus said to them, let me just give you a reflection back again. When Jesus said to them, there's nothing that enters a man from the outside that can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. Then he says, anyone who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Now, the disciples didn't understand this. This was so shocking for them that when they were alone with him, even they came to him and said, whoa, you know, we need to understand this now. We grew up as small uh, Jewish boys and, and this was being, you know, in, it was embedded in our spiritual DNA. You do not touch a, pot, a pig. You do not touch these unclean animals. You don't even go close to them. So Jesus talked to them now. First, he spoke to the crowds uh, in verse 17, now John 7, uh, Mark 7, 17. When he had entered a house away from the crowd now, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. What is this now, Jesus? Remember, he started talking in parables. They couldn't understand what he was saying. What is this about defiling through the mouth? It's not defiling. What is this? And in verse 18, he says, so he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Come on. Don't you understand also? I would want to think that if you've, if you've walked with Jesus all this time now, somewhere the penny needs to drop. And let me just say, brother and sister, how long have you been serving God? How long have you been studying the word of God? It amazes me that people who who claim for many years to follow, follow Jesus and, and study the Word of God on small little matters they don't even know have, have made it out what God's view is on the Bible. This is why a lot of people are like the sea tossed to and fro from one wind of doctrine to another one. No, no, you've got to make it out. You've got to study the Word and make it out for yourself because you spend time with Jesus. He says to them, are you also without understanding? And then he answers. Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him? Have a look. Because he does not enter his heart, but his stomach. And is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. So what is Jesus saying? He says, if you eat a piece of bread with bacon on it, and you put it in your mouth, where is it going? Where is that bacon going? It's definitely not going to your heart. It goes to your stomach. And your stomach does its process 
And I think you and I know what happens then. It exits the body. And what happens? It did not affect you spiritually. So that piece of bread that you eat with the, the bacon on it didn't affect you. He says, thus purifying all foods. In other words, it's okay to eat other foods. This is radical. I get it. I understand and I know it. And I know that by now there might be people already listening to this who's got a, a raft of scripture verses which they just want to, you know, jump online and go, but Pastor John, you know, let's, what about this verse? What about that verse? What about that verse? Yes. Yes, there is verses in the Bible, but Jesus is absolutely clear about this. He says that thus purifying all foods. So you and I cannot make a law on your own now to tell people that if they want to follow Christ, they're not allowed to eat certain things. We can't do that. It's unscriptural. And I know a lot of these people, and I've had a lot of these discussions over the years, will bring out Old Testament scriptures. Yes, they are important. Yes, they are true. But this is out of the mouth of Jesus, who fulfilled those laws. And for these men, they couldn't understand it. And this is so straightforward when Jesus said that to them. But then he says on in verse 20, he says, and he said, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. That is what defiles you. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. Now, I want you to understand that Jesus gives us direction of the things that defiles a man. Evil thoughts here is to have a dialogue. Let me just explain thoughts for, for a starter. So th thoughts is to have a dialogue with yourself. That's what we have. Okay, so we have an inner conversation with ourselves in our minds. We look at something, we contemplate it, we talk to ourselves about that. And that is, that is what we proceed uh, what, uh, something is. Now, what he puts in front of this word here of thoughts is evil thoughts. So he says that you and I and people can sit down and have conversations with ourselves, but Preceding that is evil thoughts. So evil is you want to damage, you want to destroy, you want to harm, and these kind of things. That will defile you. More than what you're going to put in your mouth and eat in your stomach is going to work its way. He continues on, he says, evil thoughts, idolatries. Now that's infidelity. Now there's a clear point. I want to make a point here. But I want to first go through all of them. And then I want to make a point about this. Infidelity, fornication. The Greek word here is the word pornea. And that is where our English word pornography comes from. And he says it here. He says that pornography defiles the man because it comes from the heart. And this is important to know. It's not that piece of food that you put in your mouth. You can keep yourself from any single thing that Leviticus 11 says, but if you conduct in this kind of uh, fornication in pornography, that nullifies every single thing of that. If you, if you live in infidelity, that nullifies everything of that, because it is the condition of the heart. Murders, he mentioned, thefts, covetousness, that's greed. 
wickedness, deceit, and I can go into each one of these words. Lewdness, that means lust after money, lust after the flesh. Uh, an evil eye, blasphemy, swearing, pride, haughtiness, foolishness. All of these things, all of these evil things, he says, comes from within and defile a man. And you see, this is the thing, brother and sister, that what the heart is full of comes over the lips. People speak about that. And I can tell you, and I know of a lot of things that I've, I've uh, seen over the years. If you hear what the person says, you know what is in his heart. Because what the heart is full of, the mouth will overflow in. And Jesus says, here you are so caught up in your diet, your spiritual diet, and you want to eat the right things, and you want to worship God through what you eat, but your heart is defiled. So what is the seed of defilement? It is the heart. It is that organ that's inside of you, and the spiritual things, the sense, the seed of your soul, and that is the seed of defilement, not your stomach. That goes out. And I, I, I hope it's clear to you. I hope it's clear. I hope next time when somebody comes to you and want to take you on about, you know, you've got to eat this and you're not allowed to eat that and all of those things, is to ask and say the straightforward question about this is, is your heart clean and upright before God? Don't worry about what I'm going to eat, but is your heart upright and clean uh, before God? Because this is the important point here. And Jesus addresses that with them. So the heart is the seat of defilement. If it is filled with all of these things, this list, and there's many lists in the Bible. Uh, I'm just saving you time not to mention each and every one of them. So if the heart can be defiled, what is the opposite thereof? Uprightness, holiness. The holiness that I'm talking about here has been set apart for God. Cleanness. That is what the heart can be. The seed of your emotion, of your soul. Now let's just quickly, and, and we're going to finish with this, let's see what the Bible say about the heart. I think it's important that if Jesus has identified the heart as the seed of defilement or for cleanness, that we see what the Bible says about the heart. First of all, we look at Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence. The word there for keep is a military expression. It's to guard. It's to stand guard. That means that you anticipate that there's going to be an attack. And when you anticipate there's going to be an attack, you prepare yourself to withstand that, withstood that attack. Uh, it goes back to e Ephesians chapter 6, where he says, stand fast, you know, with, with the, the armor guard of God. So he says here, he uses that military term there of guarding. He says, keep your heart with all diligence. Make a point to keep your heart clean. Now, this is the point I wanted to make earlier on. You know what I've said. All of those things that I've said about evil thoughts about, um, you know, that uh, fornications or infidelity or murders or thefts and all of those things. This is not something that befell upon you and you have pushed into that. These are decisions you've made. 
decisions you've made to do them or not. You know, if somebody comes to you and say, jump, you've got a decision whether you say, yes, I want to jump or no, I don't want to jump. And what Jesus is pointing here is, is much bigger, much more bigger than just the food question here. It goes about the decisions you are making. And this is why when Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, it means that you need to think what you're going to do. Your actions speaks louder than words. You might say with your mouth, you're not going to do it, but you do it with your body. And it comes down to one thing that you've got no excuse and say they forced me into that or they've pressured me into that. At the end of the day, every single thing you do, you are the master of your heart and you make that decision. And this is why the Bible is so clear about this, that you need to guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Out of it springs the issues of life. Man, I can actually preach a whole sermon just on that verse. Because people, a lot of people is in circumstances today because of decisions they've made the day before or long time ago. And if you do not appreciate and, and if you're not happy with the place and, and the circumstances you're in, don't look around at others. And I get, you know, sometimes something happened to you outside of your control and you've got no control over it. But I'm talking about the, the issues of your life, which is connected to your heart. Don't blame other people. Look upon the decisions that you've made. Because Jesus said, out of the heart comes defilement. And if your heart is not healthy, then your life will not be healthy. So many lessons comes out of this. And here the Proverbs writer says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Did you know that it is in your heart that you turn, turn against God? It's in your heart. You know, people don't just on a day decide I'm going to walk away from God. No, you've made a decision to walk away from God. And it lingered upon you for so long and you had those talks with yourself and then just one day you decided, I'm going to walk away from God and you do that. Let me give you scripture verse Job 15 verse 12. Uh, the writer says, why does your heart carry you away? Why does your heart carry you away? See, Jesus was so on the money here. And what do your eyes wink at? So your heart is now pulling you away after something and your eyes is winking at something. It means that you found an interest in that object or thing or person or whatever. And that is now pulling you away from where you need to be. Sadly, I'm seeing this more and more happening the older I'm getting. And I'm still a young man. But here it is. He says, what do your eyes wink at? That you turn your spirit against God. Job chapter 15 verse 13. Your heart turn you away. Your eyes wink at something that you turn your spirit against God. And let such words go out of your mouth. I can only say Selah, rest my case. Arrest the Bible's case. So it's your heart that turn you away from God. Your decision making. 
But there's also gladness that comes from the heart. Listen to Psalm 4 verse 7. You have put gladness in my heart. That's where it rests. More than in the season, than in the grain and the wine increased. It is where the depression comes from. Did you know that? The heart is where depression comes from. And so, so all of these psychologists is working on the mind and working with the brain and working on the mind. This is where it is. That's the key. Listen to Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Anxiety in the heart causes depression. Oh, you know, what's tomorrow going to bring? Am I going to have a job? Is this going to work out? What about my children? What about this? It brings anxiousness. And what's the next step? It causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. How wonderful to hear a good word. But the heart is also a place where people store bitterness. I'm, I'm nearly finished, but I want to end on these words here. So there's gladness. It turns you away from God. It is also the place that can bring you to depression with anxiety. But it's also the place that stores bitterness. It's right there. Right there. And that is the root of all evil. Bitterness. Uh, Proverbs 14.10 The heart knows its own bitterness. The heart knows it. And some people are so good by just, you know, hiding that bitterness in there. And for a short while it goes good until there's a scratch on the surface and boom, out comes all of that bitterness. Why? Because it is, it is hidden behind a friendly face. It's hidden behind a mask. You can only see a person's face. And, and may I say that sometimes you can see people's heart's condition on their faces, by the way. But, but some people are so clever. They've worked so hard during their life to put on a mask of, of happiness. But behind the mask, right there, deep in the heart, according to the Proverbs, he says that, you know, you know the bitterness which is hidden in your heart and a stranger does not share its joy. The joy of a heart. Bitterness will destroy you, my friend. Listen to me. Bitterness will destroy your life and not the other person who you are bitter against life. They will go on. They will continue with, with their lives. But bitterness that you've got in your heart. And maybe I should preach a sermon on, on bitterness as well. Because it is one of the most devastating things that can happen to a person is bitterness. And you use your heart to plan your life. You use your heart to plan your life. This is where it comes from. Proverbs 69, a man's heart plans his way, but God directs his footsteps. So what is the key in this verse? We need to align our hearts and our plans according to God's guidance according to him how do we do that come back to his word come back to his word and that's why if you plan your way and i want you to finish with this if you plan your way where you're going to go and you're not allowing god to direct your footsteps if it's not on god's plans you will attract like-minded people around you you know that phrase that says birds of a feather flock together 
Well, it's not written just like that in the Bible. But certainly in 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul warns the church in Corinth. He says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Good habits. This is why the proverb says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of life. So what have we learned today? We've learned and we saw that Jesus was addressing the food issue. He gave them the shocking announcement and said to them, it's not what you eat that goes into the mouth like, you know, the unforbidden food that you eat that's going to defile you because your stomach, you know, takes care of that. But it's what's hidden in your heart that comes out of you that defiles you. So let us not be trapped with this, brother and sister, dear friend, sir, madam. Let us not be trapped with this. Come before God. I urge you. I beg you, come before God even today, even as you finish the sermon. You know, take 10, 15 minutes, turn everything off. Close your eyes, talk to God. Say, Father, help me. Is my heart evil? Is my heart defiling me? And come to Him because He's the only one who can help you of that. So my dear friend, may the Lord keep you, may He bless you. As we continue now and walking with Jesus, we learn more from Him. And I, I hope that you got an answer about what you may or may not eat. May the Lord bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you help us to guard your hearts. I pray for each and every one who listened today, Father, for myself also. And I pray, Lord, please help us. Please help us. We need your help. Without you, we can do nothing, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.